1: My guest today, he checked out the uh, famous comedy store after he uh, had a gig at the Magic Castle in Los Angeles, and then he decided to give stand-up a shot, and since then, he's proceeded to make audiences nearly pass out from laughing since the mid-70s. His manic stage presence and ability to morph into memorable and hilarious characters made him popular in a talk show circuit. He appeared on The Mike Douglas Show, Merv Griffin, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and had over 40 appearances between both of David Letterman's shows on NBC and CBS. He has two critically acclaimed Showtime specials and has appeared on more TV shows and movies than you can shake a stick at, including Dukes of Hazard, American Hot Wax, Baywatch, and so many others. It's Jeff Altman. Hey, hey, Jeff, hey, hey. thank you so much for being on the show.
0: Thank you, Scott.
1: And before I forget, Mark Scheffler says hi.
0: Oh, we'll
1: say hi right back. Okay. Yeah, he was one of my early guests. And what I'm doing is I'm collecting Comedy Store comics for my podcast, and I have to get the whole set. So you're helping me uh, get the whole set. So I appreciate that.
0: Entirely my pleasure.
1: Yeah. So I hope you don't mind if I do a little bit of uh, fanboy fawning over you a little bit, because I do want to talk about my history, but watching you on the TV, because, you know, I was just a Midwest guy. And you know what we got to see in the Midwest, we got to see Carson and Merv and Mike Douglas, that's about all we got. We didn't we didn't have a comedy club or anything like that. So that was what we had to watch. And I discovered you not too long after I discovered Tom Dreeson. And the the ritual was for me is we'd get the TV guide and I'd go through the TV guide and I'd look at all the talk shows and I'd look for you or Dreeson. Uh, Letterman, uh, you know, any of those people that I was yeah. just in love with, and then i watched when I could. It made a lot of late nights when I was in school, but uh, I really, really enjoyed your performances, and the funny thing is, is in the last couple of weeks, since I knew I was going to have you on the show, I've gone back on YouTube and re-watched some of that stuff, and uh, I, just, I just cracked up again, and I'm not a nostalgic type of guy. Like, music doesn't take me back, but um comedy for some reason does and i was like this is exactly as funny as i remembered it and you just for some reason i just remember like doubling over laughing watching your stuff just sitting up by myself in our living room
0: well thank you geez that's very nice I- I- i'm surprised after going back and re-watching you still wanted me on the show
1: yeah <laughs> I think you are one of the most unique and all-around funny comedians I've ever seen. And there, there's you. an article. There's an article in Esquire where. Um... It came out in 2015 where Letterman and Jerry Seinfeld uh, talked about you and the genius of Jet Faltman. I was glad that I found that. I do want to get into the whys and how you did it. One of the reasons I started this podcast is to give new comedians some helpful tips on how to get their career going and how to write and be funny and stuff like that. You know why, Uh, Scott?
0: You know why? Because there just isn't enough comedians in this country.
1: Yeah. I know.
0: <laughs> you know, if you walk into a Denny's, any Denny's, yes, and and, and say, "Are there any stand-up comics here?" four people will rise.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of people who are interested in being a comedian. And that's why my listenership is good. But South Bend, where I came from, not a big city, not a whole lot around. I mean, it's fairly close to Chicago, but there was probably 25 comedians that would uh, show up at the open mic every Tuesday night. And I'm down here in Huntsville, and it looks like the same type of crowd, except for there's a few more. It's amazing how many people want to do it. And this show is basically me learning how to do it because I started when I was 52. So I'm learning and they're learning and hopefully people get some good nuggets from it.
0: Good, It's great that you're doing this. This is a service to all of America.
1: Yeah. Now, one of the things that Struck me as far as you're concerned is, you know, I read all your bios and you're pretty high strung as a youngster. You, I I mean, one of your bios says you had a special chair in the principal's office in grade school. And then when you were at Johns Hopkins, you got kicked out of the library for uh, dressing as a bush. It almost feels like you were compelled to be as manic as you were. Is that kind of accurate?
0: I don't know whether it was uh, manic or delinquent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, there was a chair for me in the office, and uh, in sixth grade, I was the first person to be suspended from Edward Smith school in Syracuse, New York. All right. in, in the history of the school, they said, you can't come back without your mom. Uh-huh.
1: Well, that that's a good record to have there. Oh,
0: sure. I'm I'm terribly <laughs> proud of my past.
1: You're just naturally a funny guy, but that's not what you were going for because Dad was a very good magician, and you wanted to get into the sleight of hand type magic with right. w- with cards and the like. Is that what took you to Los Angeles? Yes,
0: I got out of college in '74 and uh, i drove all the way to los angeles from my hometown of syracuse new york and my father was arguably one of the very best card guys with a deck of cards in, in the united states mm-hmm. and people from all over the country would come to visit us in syracuse just to see him do stuff and very friendly with a guy named ed Marlowe, who was uh very good in chicago and uh, he knew Di Vernon very well, who was considered the best of the 20th century. And uh, I became friendly with both of those people, luckily because of my dad. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I was I was doing a, a good good amount of card magic. By the time I left Hopkins in 74, I had met a guy in Baltimore named Frank Thompson, who was a very famous card magician. Mm-hmm. And uh, another guy named Cy Keller and Howie Schwartzman. And these were kind of my mentors while I was in college, and then when I would come home for the summer, then my dad and I would review all the new material and gradually, incrementally show me more and more stuff.
1: And four years at Johns Hopkins, and you you decide you come out of it and you want to be a magician, so you did get that gig at the Magic Castle, but can you tell me what happened at the, at well, the actually, comedy store
0: when you actually, walked in? Actually, it, it was four years at Johns Hopkins, two of them as a patient.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a test subject, right?
0: That's right. <laughs> but uh um by the time I graduated from school I was pretty adept with uh playing cards. Mm-hmm. And I, I went out to the Magic Castle and my my goal was to be a work the Magic Castle and be a funny card guy. Mm-hmm. Close up sleight of hand person. Right. And so then one night in nineteen seventy four, when I got out there, I went over to the comedy store. And somebody mentioned Syracuse, New York. I stood up and went, yay! And uh-huh. Mitzi Shore, who owned the comedy store, sent a guy over to my table and said, uh, the owner of the store would like you to leave. <laughs> so I was kicked out of the store, the comedy store, the first, first time I was there. And I remember <laughs> saying to myself, well, I'll never come back here.
1: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> but, but I did. And subsequently, it was before Monday night audition night, and uh, it was it was on a Saturday night, and uh, there weren't enough people to actually go on.
1: Okay.
0: And I walked over to Mitzi, and I said, hi, my name is Jeff Altman. I've just been out here a short time. I do some impressions. Could I go up on stage? She said, well, Altman, um, yeah, if you want to, go ahead. There's nobody left to go on. <laughs> so I walked up on stage, and I did okay. Uh-huh. She said, well, you can come back, and I stayed there for another 30 years.
1: Wow. So, I, you know, if people haven't seen your act, they don't understand what they're getting into. I mean, you know, I know you've been compared to Robin Williams, but you're you're different than that. Impressions and doing your dad, physicality, and you were in the maybe a similar realm,
0: but you were difference we were very much alike and and uh, we were good friends and in fact my daughter sent me a picture the other night i don't know where she got it from but it was me and robin on stage at the comedy store and our shirts were off yeah <laughs> and that was before burt Kreischer.
1: yeah <laughs> but, i don't think he ever wears a shirt
0: <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I don't quite understand that but he's a yeah
1: <laughs> guy. how did you come up with that act though
0: Well, it took a long time and a a lot of watching, and a lot of hanging around the store night after night after night. And I began to you begin to realize, I think, what the level of being funny is, where what what you what bar you need to cross in order to uh, attract uh, some laughs. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of good guys working there at the time: George Miller, Mm -hmm. uh, Tim Thomerson. Uh, Letterman by 19, the end of 75. And you, you sort of, and the bar was getting raised and raised and raised.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, so it, 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 you know, you, unlike, I think, Letterman, who was always just himself, I realized what I had to do to get funny. And and uh, this fellow named Tim Thomerson, does that ring a bell?
1: Oh, yeah. He's, he, he's on my list. So, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: One, one of the very funniest guys to ever do stand up. Yeah. And, um, he influenced me a great deal <clears throat> in that he, he was really doing what you do in high school to make people laugh, but he was doing it in a more sophisticated way on stage.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I, I went back to my old high school stuff, you know, where I would jump out the windows of my physics class and, uh, yeah. you know, all, all that uh, physical crap. And, and uh, I started doing it on stage, you know, smashing my head on a bar stool to open my act. Uh-huh. And uh stuff stuff that didn't require much of an IQ. But nevertheless, I guess it was my energy that sustained me.
1: In watching that back, there is really no time to breathe. I mean, you're laughing so hard. And there's the showtime special, Sweet and Meaty.
0: You never got to see the other one. They they never they, I think they showed it once and then they put it in the can. Oh, did they? It's the best thing I ever did in my career.
1: Oh wow. But, can you get but, it back?
0: Uh, I think I have a copy here.
1: Okay, that's good. Uh, but
0: they should run it now. It was me yeah. doing my character, Carl. You know that kind of guy. Uh, yeah. who, uh, never drunk, never sober. Uh, yeah. Everybody has an uncle like him. You know. Yeah. Get out, get <laughs> out of my face, buddy! Before I slap you. <laughs> One of those guys. Yeah. The, it was based all on that character, and uh, there had been a, I guess, a robbery in the, in, the, in. The, uh, the city he lived in and 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 he he went on camera to talk about it and it was all about him watching tv to see himself come on tv and it it, it was it was was really very good the strange Uh thing about it though is one female probably about 29 years old walked up to me one day and said you know the character you did wasn't very likable and so she didn't get it at all yeah and she, she was one of the execs
1: uh oh wow yeah i
0: mean it was just just nuts
1: yeah well, that's the same type of person that thought uh archie bunker was playing it straight
0: you know the, <laughs> right the,
1: yeah <laughs> you just don't get the satire part
0: that's right that's exactly right
1: <laughs> so talking about the physical stuff you were a pretty athletic guy but hitting your head on that bar stool and then going on your back. Did you ever injure yourself doing that?
0: You know, it's very funny you asked me that, Scott, because uh, three years ago, uh, I live now in Raleigh, uh, North Carolina, and Uh I I had to go out to Duke, which is the finest hospital situation here and uh, one of the finest universities in the country. Uh And um, I had my back had to be fused. So it was years and years of falling down and rolling around and doing dropping to the ground and all that stuff, I think, contributed to the surgery.
1: I mean, you were good at it. You you, you landed well, but the distance from which you flipped to uh, hitting the ground, there's nothing you can do about that. It's not like a wrestling ring where they have it padded and springs yep. and all that stuff.
0: No, very often you were on a stage that had tile. And yeah. So, so, you know, and uh, so I, I hit the dirt and uh, it wasn't always comfortable.
1: Mm-hmm. You stood out pretty quickly once you got, I, I think maybe Merv was one of your first uh, talk first. show gigs. Yeah. And you stood out pretty quickly and you became kind of a hot commodity. I mean, you were just all over the place for quite a while. Were you ready for that? Did that? How, how did that affect you?
0: It, it didn't happen. It happened re- relatively quickly. Uh, my, my friend, God bless him, who passed away, Ricky Jay, the magician, Mm-hmm. Uh, uh was always amazed at how he thought it went very quickly he, mm-hmm. that, that that you know he was, he had been in the business for years and nothing had happened until he got later in life in a short time i was on tv i was on tv within a year mm-hmm. in, of coming out there and uh then after that i started doing the mike douglas show on a regular basis and then the tonight show on some regular basis and then letterman <clears throat> but um uh, the acting uh, really started, uh, Scott, with commercials. I, I got a commercial agent, and they said, well, you know, you'd be, you'd be good in commercials, because I, I had a very straight kind of, you know, uh, boy-next-door look mm. then. <laughs> and, uh, Still. Uh, and uh, it just got started from that, and, and I, I think CBS saw me on a commercial, on a pretty famous commercial. It was a Bud Light commercial where a flaming hoop appeared and dogs were jumping through the hoop. And and Mm -hmm. I'm there going, what, dogs? Hmm, geez. And a guy comes over and says, I'd like a beer. And I go, showtime, and walk away. Uh And it it got got a lot of airplay. And I I made a lot of money from that commercial, what I thought was a lot of money at the time. And uh, then then I started to do some series work and guest stars on TV shows. And uh, I was kind of a semi-regular on Baywatch. And uh, Mm -hmm. I I was a semi-regular on the Dukes of Hazzard. Yeah. That was 1980 that started.
1: All of that happening in such a short period of time, how did you handle that? Did you become one of these uh, crazy party guys?
0: Or No. Well, I got married to my first wife in 1979. Okay. And uh, so that kept me somewhat corralled. Uh-huh. What can I say? I, I was I was thrilled by any success that I had. You know, I you know I can remember getting on the phone and going, "Hey, Dad, listen to this. I'm gonna be on the Tonight Show. Oh my God, can you believe this? I'll be on the Tonight Show." And my father's yeah. there with his pants up to his neck, going, "Oh <laughs> Jesus, I'll slap you past payday, buddy. I'll hit you so hard by the time you stop rolling, your clothes will be out of style." How do you like that.
1: <laughs> it's always good to have a dad to put you back in perspective. Whoa.
0: You know, the last thing, Scott, my dad said to me before I got in the car and drove out, out of the driveway at 101 Hillcrest Road in Syracuse was he looked at me and he said, what the hell are you going to do when you get out there? <laughs> I mean, you know, and I sold cars. I sold cars when I first went out there. Uh-huh. Then And then every night I'd be at the comedy store. Every day I'd be selling cars. And then when I started to get gigs in '75. I I I no longer worked uh, regular jobs. Uh
1: huh. Now your dad had to understand the attraction, though, because being yes. a magician himself, you know, you, and, performing and is performing. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, I know that was a big move. I mean, you're going pretty much coast to coast. I I'm sure as a dad, I I, I know I was concerned when both my kids moved, so I I can understand the concern.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe your kid will be going up like uh, uh, William Shatner. So, yeah, <laughs>
1: uh, he did apply to be an astronaut, but uh, he's got he, he's got a lot of knee problems, so I don't know if that's going to happen. And he's also uh, six five, so they they, they don't yeah, they don't like the the tall ones in the in the ships. So
0: <laughs> yeah, but when you're weightless, it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I guess that shows a certain amount of maturity on your point at a pretty young age, because so many of the comics, they were coked up, they were partying and doing all that crazy stuff. It seems like you kind of edged your way around that. Well,
0: uh, I I don't know whether I should tell this on myself, but I will. In 1978, I was doing a play. Uh, for the Mark Taper Forum Lab, which is a reasonably prestigious place. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy who wrote the play had seen me at the comedy store and he thought I'd be perfect to play Harry Houdini. And it was a show called Ormer Locklear, who was a wing walker back in the like 1918. And uh-huh. He would walk on the wings of biplanes and stuff. Yeah. And it was about that era. And Houdini was one of the characters. There were four people in the, in the cast. Cast members were saying, man, you got to try cocaine, man. You got to try cocaine. It's just fabulous, man. You get really high, you feel great. So I did it for for six months of my life. I enjoyed the cocaine.
1: Uh (laughs) Uh-huh.
0: Until I went to Cedar sinai Hospital one night with my heart beating like this. Yeah. (laughs) I had one more episode like that, and I said, I will never do this again in my life because it could and probably would have killed me.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And it yeah. is a
0: very, very dangerous drug.
1: Yeah. Oh, it is. It 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 most certainly is. Uh, it's
0: very addictive, and the high is uh, uh, addictive, and the lows the next day are off.
1: So thinking about your, you know, all of this happening so quickly, and you being wanted for so many projects. How did it come around that you were able to manage the business side of it? Because that when that hits you so quickly, how do you manage that part?
0: Well, you get talked into various um, <clears throat> compartmentalizations, like mm-hmm. you need a manager, you need a business manager, you need an agent, you need a publicity mm-hmm. person. And before you know it, half your money is gone. Uh-huh. And you i did need some of those people back in the 80s and stuff and then mm-hmm. in the early 90s uh halfway through the 90s but eventually uh you begin to uh, sort of fire people one at a time as they you find out they're not really doing much for you i'll tell you uh-huh. funny, tell, tell you a funny story i can't think of the guy's name right now but he, he only handled me and albert brooks oh, okay <laughs> and Nothing was happening at the time and I called him up on the phone and I said, Gee, any, any business going on? He says, Listen to me. Okay, kid, let me let me tell you something. I only handle two guys, okay? I handle Albert Brooks and I handle Jeff Altman. I said, Yeah, but I, I, I kinda need some work right now. He says, Let me tell you what you do. You go out and get yourself a series, and when you do that, that's when I go to work.
1: <laughs> he had that he had that backwards. Yes.
0: This, the single funniest uh, uh, line I ever remember from show business was that. Yeah. <laughs> you get yourself a series, and then we'll get you something. Okay.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, how did you? I I, I got to go back to your act. But how did you come up with? all these characters because they have to be rooted in some, something real um, because you, you played them so effectively. How, how, how did those start coming about?
0: Well, uh, I, I, when I worked uh, one of the characters I do that I enjoy is uh, the character of Carl, which the Showtime <laughs> special I mentioned to you uh, was based completely upon. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, he was a guy who was my sales manager at Universal City Datsun. Okay. In 1974. <laughs> and uh, I remember coming in the first day and meeting the crew of guys I was working with that were selling Datsuns, now Nissan.
1: Uh-huh. And
0: uh, I came in the second day and, and Dave wasn't there. So I turned to Fritz, who was my sales manager, who was became the character of Carl that I do. Uh-huh. And I said to him, Fritz, where's Dave? And he took a big drag of his cigarette and said, "He's a fucking ghost. <laughs> well, that just dropped me. I mean, I, I, I had never heard anything that funny. And, uh. <laughs>
1: and
0: so it, it was him that gave me a character. It was my dad that gave me a character. And other people were doing characters that, gee, I said, you know, I do a character kind of like that you know, uh, maybe I should rev that up and get that on stage. Uh-huh. So I, I was inspired by some characters and I was uh, not that I was stealing characters. Even before the, the guys on SNL were doing pump, the pump up guys or whatever. It yeah. Was they, uh, 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 were, Hans were, were, and Franz. Yeah. I yeah. was doing, I was doing a guy like that. You know, it was like, you know, my name is Jim shorts. <laughs> and uh, they told me to use the free weights, but I didn't have the money. So I just, you know, I'd like to use the more expensive kind. <laughs> and, and you know, those guys, those those pumped up guys, always have that little head twitch going. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I suppose that's when the blood actually gets to the brain. Yeah. You know? So, so I, I was offered up a, a lot of opportunity to do characters because I, I didn't have uh, my act was characters with jokes and funny lines. That Mm -hmm. was pretty much what I did in physical comedy. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the story kind of comedy you see today um, where people are telling a lot about their lives and it's and then there's silence for a while and then a big laugh or or it's 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 kind of sort of funny for a while. And then a big laugh, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, my my generation was, you know, get that laugh every second if you can.
1: Yeah. And you were. You know, I would put you more in the category of entertainer when you're on stage more than just stand-up comic because you were, I mean, you were acting, you were, you were acting out. I was acting out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I shouldn't have said that. You're, I mean, you were, you were really, I mean, you were putting on a show. It was like, it was like a one act play or something like that. And
0: You had to do something for forty-five minutes to get paid.
1: Yeah, one of my favorite bits is "Please help me." Please, <laughs> when you get drunk. <laughs> and I, I was always every time I was watching the TV guide and I'd catch you on Letterman or whatever. And I, is he going to do "Please help me"? And uh, you always, say, hey, but you know, "Please help me" was sprinkled in various appearances well, uh, in different please, ways
0: please help me if i recall the routine i haven't done it in years but uh, it, it was a guy and, and i was comparing um how um, guys don't hold their alcohol uh very well and uh you know you get into the bathroom and, and the uh the to- the toilet seat becomes like a bus you, yeah. you know and, and and you know you you you're you're talking to god oh <laughs> oh god i feel so sick please help me please help me you know and it's you know it's it's everybody's gone through that experience of drinking too much being sick to their stomachs and and and, and, you know and, and talking to god please let me out of this
1: yeah yeah no doubt (laughs) i and it was it was just it was so funny now you developed kind of a brotherhood of of comics and brother and sisterhood with those with your comedy store contemporaries and that has lasted through the years i mean dave had you on a show because he liked you you, you were friends and George Miller was another one that he had on the show because he, he liked George and Johnny it,
0: Weatherspoon.
1: Yeah. Johnny. Tom and, Dreesen, mm-hmm, Tommy. Uh, yeah.
0: I think Tim did the show once. Tim was great when he was performing, you know?
1: And yeah. He, he
0: sat down and, and you got a little different side of Tim. You got the surfer guy. Yeah. Which he was a great yeah. surfer. Um. Uh, but you, you needed to see Tim in a nightclub which was uh, just, you know, exhausting uh, your laughter.
1: That's the way I felt your performances were. And unfortunately, I never got to see you live on a stage because I'm in crappy South Bend, Indiana. Did you ever make your way to South Bend, Indiana?
0: (laughs) No, I I had that on the list of cities to to avoid. Yeah. (laughs) I certainly would have done a gig had there been one there. I used to work Indianapolis quite frequently.
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah, and Indy's still a pretty good comedy town.
0: I'm sure it is.
1: Yeah, they've got about <clears throat> a million comics there. So this okay. brotherhood, brotherhood and sisterhood, uh, uh, you know, because I I would probably put like Elaine Boozler in. I was just going to mention in, in that mix. name. Yeah,
0: she was the best. I think for my money, the best of all time. Yeah. She told me in a phone conversation about three years ago. She said, "I've done my last show." I guess it was two years ago that I said, "I've done my last stand-up show."
1: Uh huh. I've walked away from a couple different careers and you, you don't want to look back. You're just kind of done. And and that's uh I can I can certainly understand that. So getting back to this friendship that you created and what happened at the comedy store and the strike and just everything that happened, that is so much to happen in a young person's life. And yet you guys I think that was part of the the bonding process. I mean, going through that so much strife and striking and doing every everything that happened there really built a bond. It's amazing how much talent was cultivated there, and I think it was because you guys were almost like a petri dish of comedy, and petri dishes, of
0: petri dish is exactly the right word people yeah. <laughs> People have referred to me very often as a growing fungus. <laughs> so, but but it, there was, there was a tremendous amount of camaraderie, Scott. There was, a, yeah. a, a, a you know, I remember walking the line with Dave Letterman and uh, from that d- developed a very, very strong friendship. I, you know, I mean, he's one of my closest friends and uh, if not um, among the top three closest friends I have. Mm -hmm. and so that that uh, was a nice thing and I I, you know I was friendly with George Miller who left all his comedy material to me oh wow I mean I have a box in my closet filled all with George Miller material wow and he he, as far as being prolific he was about at the top of the list joke after joke after joke I mean there, there, there was there were instant segues whereas Whereas you you see somebody today talking about something for fifteen minutes, and in you're that right. and in that fifteen minutes, plenty of laughs. But uh, George was bang bang bang.
1: Right, he was conversational and and mm-hmm. yes. uh, a little yes. a little a little bit more lower energy than uh, like you or like a Sam Kinison or somebody like that. Yeah, along with this. Camaraderie. I know that there were everybody went in a lot of different directions mm-hmm. because, like I, I mentioned, Mark, for you know, he, he did his stuff there, and then you know he went on to you know screenwriting and the uh, one movie, the, the, the Last House on the Left, that uh, was super low low budget movie that Roger Ebert likes for some reason, and then uh, he, you know, he's still a cult favorite at the horror conventions. It's amazing how people went different directions. And you definitely went different directions with the comedy, doing your act and doing TV. Like you said, two years ago was your last stand-up, and you have. Well, of act- course,
0: of course, COVID hit too, and so. Yeah,
1: right. But you've kind of morphed it all the way back. You've you've kind of gone back to the magic thing, and now you are Jeff Altman, the cart magician. That's true. Yeah.
0: I, so. I- because of my, my daughter, uh, unfortunately, bro- as I mentioned before, broke her, uh, uh, her, her uh, bone in her hand and I have to go to New York City on, on Monday. She's being operated on on Tuesday. And um, uh, I missed the convention I go to every year in Buffalo as a result. It's going on right now.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and
0: I couldn't take the chance of catching COVID uh, because of the hospital environment that I'll be in. Uh, so I, I couldn't go and I'm very disappointed. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. I'm
1: laying, I'm laying low because my son's getting married next week. So is he really? Yeah, yeah.
0: Congratulations.
1: Yeah, uh, that's going to be fun.
0: These magic conventions, you get a lot of guys going. What? A vaccine? Well, <laughs> the vaccines don't work. I, I take this hydrochloroquine or something. Done marvelous things for me. Yeah.
1: I'm as clean as a swimming pool. Yes.
0: Hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it it's, does it's... not work, nor does ivermectin. Uh, yeah. So, so the studies show. Yeah. But some people swear by it, and uh, God bless them. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Ho- ho- hope they live through it. Yeah,
0: uh, sure, yeah that's for sure.
1: <laughs> so you must be, I mean, your, your dad is legendary, and his name is still talked about. Among magicians all the time, so you must be kind of a draw as other up and coming magicians and stuff like that. So you're you've probably become not only a, a, a godfather of comedy, but a godfather of magic at the same time. Well,
0: godfather's a little strong, but I, 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 different than my dad, have put a lot of my tricks and inventions with cards in print in different uh-huh. books. Uh, I don't know if you know the name Harry Lorraine.
1: I, I haven't heard that. Harry though.
0: Lorraine used to go on the Tonight Show, and he would memorize the name of five hundred guests, and then have them sit down one at a time. <gasps> uh, Mister uh, uh, Kingsley, you sit down. Uh, 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 Mrs. White, you sit down now, and then you would leave one guy at the end and remember his name, and the audience would, you know, right on their feet, standing ovation.
1: I remember that now. I, I yeah. Well, he
0: was also a superb card handler, and okay. wrote many, many books on on, on card magic. And I published a fair amount of material in his books uh, along with a lot of other books Mm -hmm. uh, as well. So my dad didn't do that. My dad was just strictly a reputation guy. Yeah. Whereas somebody can, you know, uh, kind of revisit my career by looking at some of the tricks that I have in print.
1: I mean, you're, kind of documenting stuff that dad showed you anyway, right?
0: Well, uh, no, uh, yes, yeah, some. The, yeah. the, the very first trick I really had in print, there's a famous course in magic called the Tarbell course.
1: Uh-huh. And, uh huh.
0: And they did an extra edition. In fact, Harry Lorraine did the extra edition, Tarbell number seven. And I had a trick in there that was based partially on an idea of my father's and an idea of mine. And uh-huh. so that appears in that book. And it happens to be a very good trick.
1: When you perform magic, I know you're humorous. What have you taken from your act, and what have you just said, I'm never going to do this again?
0: Well, it's strange you ask. Uh, uh, two years ago, my friend Dean Stern, who's a great magician in uh, Bangor, Maine, uh, and I did a, a lecture in Buffalo, strangely, and uh-huh. uh, just the two of us, and I I did card stuff, and, and but I, I introduced myself with kind of what I was doing uh, with my act at that time, Uh you know, I'd say, geez, I had a hard time coming in here, man. No one picked me up. There was no one at the airport. I didn't get until three o'clock in the morning. The flights were delayed. I don't want to say what airline I was taking, but they fly a lot in the Southwest. Uh (laughs) And, uh, so I, 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 there was nobody there to pick me up. There was not no, the cabs had stopped. It was 3 AM. So I ended up taking a bus and I had never driven a bus before and so and it was that kind of stuff you know yeah. conversational kind of, kind of yeah cluck, you know and and then and then i got into the cards
1: that's good I, I i hope i get to see you uh do magic because well, here, uh, that... here we
0: here we go I'll, I'll i'll fan the deck in front of your eyes like this all right so you can see the cards and uh-huh. i want you i want you to just you know, let me get rid of the jokers i'll fan, can, can you see the cards
1: move them to your left a there little we go. bit okay i see them
0: you see did you get a card you're thinking you one yep You're thinking of one card. Yeah. God, I don't know. You could have been thinking of anything. I'm going to put up one card. For the first time, name the card you just thought of.
1: Seven of Diamonds.
0: Are you serious? Yeah. I thought you'd say the King of Clubs. Oh, he he was right next. Let me show you something. The Seven of Diamonds, I think, is in this pack. I know it's in this pack, but you said the King of Clubs. That's because you forgot your card. (laughs) No, I I actually had the seven of diamonds. Oh, (laughs) yeah, it's hard to do this on a podcast. Yeah, you know, but uh, I made the card change.
1: Yeah, I saw that. You
0: couldn't see below my neck, but that.
1: Well, I do know that the king of clubs right by the seven of diamonds when I saw it. I knew
0: you were thinking of one of the two is I yeah. can the cards.
1: I don't want you to explain that, but the that's almost steering somebody towards the right card, right?
0: Well, um no. No. Okay. Not okay. Not, not exactly. Okay. There's, okay. there's a there's a little bit of sleight of hand involved.
1: Okay. Okay. I I don't even want to know. I would rather just say, "Oh. Um, <laughs> how that, do you do that? that?"
0: That's what people used to say after I performed stand-up. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: That's because I'd been laughing so much and I could finally breathe. Oh, that's crazy! (laughs) Do you keep up? You you mentioned Bert Kreischer. Do you keep up with more current comedians, and do you watch them?
0: Yeah, I mean, not not uh, you know. uh, I mean, uh, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco was performing at the Comedy Store right when I left. Mm -hmm. So I saw the inception of his uh, career,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and uh, I mean, isn't he the biggest draw out there now?
1: Yeah, he's, he's, he's big, yeah. He's big.
0: Who, who who else? Mention some people who are real big now. I'll tell you if I've seen them.
1: Nate Bargatze.
0: Nate Bargatze, really? Yeah. Are you serious?
1: Yeah, he's huge.
0: His father is a comedian. Uh, excuse me, a magician.
1: Yeah, he is. And uh, his dad will tour with him and open for him.
0: That's what I've heard.
1: Yeah, and his dad is the coolest.
0: Oh, that's neat because I have a friend here in Raleigh who's one of the best card guys in the country. And uh, he knows uh, Mister Bargazzi.
1: Yeah, and he is—you know—he's definitely got a great sense of humor because he—I mean—he—he's got you rolling. And I know that that's part of his misdirect because some of his stuff is so close up, and he's got like an audience member up there with him, and he's very, very funny. And and Nate is a huge draw. Is he? He's yeah, he's one of the, one of yeah, the I've biggest Yeah, I've out seen
0: there. Nate. He's solid. Uh, Yeah. Name somebody else.
1: Uh, well, Jim Gaffigan, he's big. Bill Burr. Oh, sure. Yeah. Brian Regan. Brian Regan.
0: Thinking of another kid who's who's was on SNL a couple of times. Who's very good. I don't know why I can't think of his name right now. Everybody knows him. He's very monologue. He's always dressed in a suit and tie. Mulaney. Yeah, John. Yeah, John
1: Mulaney. Yeah. Tremendous. So, what do you like, and what don't you like? about the modern comedians
0: well um they uh, they really surprised me at how they're able to talk about a subject for a long period of time and within that context uh really squeeze a a lot of humor out of it Mm -hmm. Um, whereas you know i was you know uh, kind of peripatetic in that i would smash my head on a stool get up and go hey 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 Mm -hmm. hey get the audience going and then. And then do something else real quick, and then tell something about a commercial, and then move to a character, and and it was it was happening, you know, at, at the speed of light, uh, mm-hmm. as far as com- comedy g- goes these days. Mm-hmm. I had to do that to get laughs. I mean, if I had tried to stand there and go, well, I started out at uh, Syracuse, New York, and then I went to college, and then I came out to the West Coast, and then I, I started lighting farts for a living. <laughs> You know, I mean, I just would, I, I, I was not capable of doing that. I had to do yeah. something uh, in in the moment that, that I thought would get laughs. And I think Robin and I were, were similar in that in that way, although I did precede Robin.
1: Uh huh. You mentioned what you like. What don't you like about modern comedians?
0: I don't think there's anybody as funny as Leno doing stand up or Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anybody as smart and funny and uh, turn of a sentence. And I'm talking about the funniest person I've ever known, and that's David Letterman. The guys that are all doing late-night shows right now are all very good. Not not a bad one among them. Mm. And and yet nobody uh, compares to Dave.
1: You know, it's funny. I used to subconsciously emulate Dave because I'm a Midwestern guy. You know, he he went to Ball State. I wasn't that far from Muncie. He's going to
0: Muncie Muncie on Thursday. Is he? Yeah, yeah, he's going to Ball State on, on Thursday to do something.
1: Yeah. I I worked in Indy. uh, I managed a restaurant in Indy in the mid 80s. And one of uh, the waitresses that worked there also worked at the deaf school in Indianapolis. And he was a big supporter of the deaf school. She came into work one day and she said, yeah, Dave Letterman showed up. And I'm like, you could have called (laughs) because I wanted to meet him so bad. But, but anyhow, I used to, I used to subconsciously, I think, emulate him. And... Didn't
0: we all? That, that, that's what I'm saying. If anybody yeah. in my generation changed comedy and television, there's no question that it was Letterman.
1: Yeah. But my mom would say, "Oh, you're just acting like that David Letterman again."
0: <laughs> and, and then your dad would say, I don't, "I don't think he's funny. I don't. I don't dig that crap. I don't." Yeah. I don't... It ain't funny to me. I I, I like Johnny Carson. Yep. Who, who was arguably the greatest maybe of all time.
1: Yeah, it's funny because when I do stand up, people and my I know that my voice is my the timber of my voice and all that's similar to Dave's. And everybody says, "Oh, you 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 remind me a lot of Dave Letterman up there." And really? I'm like, I'm like, oh oh golly, thank you.
0: <laughs> oh gee, gee golly. <laughs>
1: i put some gollies in my act anyway so yeah, yeah that's uh because uh they gotta know where i'm but from he, but yeah
0: he, he's changed scott the way we looked at tv in fact that was why that was a, the biggest mistake perhaps i ever made in my life at the very time variety shows which i starred in one in 1980 called pink lady and jeff you remember that
1: oh yeah oh yes <laughs> um it's on the youtube
0: oh god help me <laughs> um but um, at the time, that phase of show business was, was disappearing, Dave came on TV.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And, he, he, you know, his whole thing was anti-television.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it was, yeah.
0: you know, it was the opposite of what we had seen for, for. well, let's see, that was 70s, 80s. So 30, for 30 years, we had been watching straight-ahead TV. And now yeah. Dave shows up, and it's all skewed differently. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and I was just very lucky to have been able to do his show to keep my career alive.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, and once again, my apologies for pink lady, I'm sorry that that happened to you. But, well, they, uh... could,
0: they couldn't, they couldn't speak English. I mean, they, really, yeah. they really couldn't speak English. So they talked and sung phonetically. Yeah. And the, the two girls, but in Japan, they were equivalent to the West's Beatles. They were yeah. to the East what the West was to the Beatles. So, yeah. The, Fred Silverman had the idea that if we could put a comedian along with these two girls, there'd be a great show. And they went down the list and they, they stopped very quickly. Let's see. Altman. Yeah. Okay. let's do it <laughs> Yeah. That Altman boy ought to be good at this.
1: <laughs> oh man. Well, you know, it's, it's, you can laugh about it now. I'm sure it was a pain in the ass when you were doing no, it.
0: No, it was, it was fun. I got to do things that I, 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 just can't get over that i did i got to work uh-huh. with, i got to work with sid caesar for three weeks mm-hmm. i got to work with jerry lewis for a week mm-hmm. i got to work with i see a lot of guests uh, roy orberson came on the show yeah. um uh and, and scores of other people that, red buttons and uh who gave me some advice that was very good i should have listened to but um <laughs> no really and um uh just a, a bevy of great celebrities. But, you know, uh, no one was watching, although we got a 24 share, which today would make us number one, one, one.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so thinking about what you know from your career about comedy, if, uh, say, I was a 19-year-old kid and I wanted a mentor, what would you tell me are the three most important things I need to do to be a good comedian? Mm, That's a good question.
0: Uh, One, uh, unless it's a, unless it's a city that is rife with comedy, like let's say Houston, Mm -hmm. Chicago, but primarily really to do it, you got to be in LA or New York.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And, and and in my generation it was LA. It just uh-huh. shift, the Tonight Show had just shifted from <clears throat> New York to LA and uh, as a result everybody came to the West coast. and uh-huh. um, uh, so uh, I, my, my first thing would be be in a place where you're gonna see a lot of great stand-up so you can understand what the bar is that you need to get to.
1: Uh-huh.
0: two, Try and introspect as much as you can about what's funny about your own life, characters and people and stories in your own life. And uh, number three, go back to college.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Good advice. I'm glad my kids did that. Yes.
0: I'm even glad I went to college, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I mean
0: I I got to I got to I got to Johns Hopkins in nineteen sixty nine and the fall of sixty-nine and I walked into a calculus class and from the instant I walked in until I walked out of that first class I had no idea what the fucking guy was talking about. (laughs) And I got I got an eight, an eight, not a nine, an eight on the midterm. So, I mean, there's no curve anywhere in the universe that can save your ass in an eight.
1: No. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, that's funny. And, you know, what's funny about math because, you know, I didn't know that my son was like this math genius the whole time he, he was growing up. And because he didn't want to go to school. He, really? he said school he said school was boring he, he said I already know all this stuff uh, but I didn't believe him so we made him go to school and then then he goes to college and it turns out he's 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 a math whiz and uh it, he didn't get it from me i am I'm, I'm a wordsmith I'm not I, I anything beyond addition and subtraction multiplication I'm no x's and y's and stuff like that Well, you can join
0: that. the Jeff Altman Club
1: yeah <laughs> all right well i tell you jeff it has been an honor to talk to you. Thank you and uh i you know the funny thing is is i wouldn't have even reached out but one of my comedy buddies what's his name trent uh had you Trip, on his
0: Trip, podcast. pod
1: yeah and i'm having him on my show because he just uh he just moved out to new york from indy yes, and I've, uh I've stayed and in i touch thought
0: with him. i've stayed in touch it, with him I, I'm, that's good he's a good kid uh,
1: yeah, he really is he's and very he's nice very kid. funny. Yeah, and I said, "Well, holy shit, if Trent can get him on, I think I should be able to get him." No question. <laughs> can I,
0: can but uh, make, you can were I mention, Can I mention another podcast that I did? Yeah. I was on Gilbert's uh Gilbert Godfrey's podcast. Oh, oh, X, I love Gil. Gil. Gil's great. I mean, yeah. you know, he he's great because there is nothing else like him. Yeah. You mean Gil is And and
1: how many minutes were your credits that he read?
0: Well, he works with a guy named Frank Santapadre who does a lot of the research. And yeah,
1: but but Gil, when he's when he starts a show, he he, he says everything you've ever done.
0: Yeah, he did. He did. He did. Yeah. He did do that. But the, <laughs> the interesting thing was, uh, Dave Letterman and I were on a show called the Starland Vocal Band in 1977. Uh-huh. And son of a bitch, if if I didn't if he, if Gilbert didn't start singing the words to that song i mean sky rocket. in flight, flight <laughs> afternoon delight <laughs> so that was That's fun, hilarious Scott, this is this has been as much fun as i've had
1: yeah well great just today though right i don't know
0: <laughs> yes this has been a lot of fun man I yeah really this is pre- this appreciate this you has having been... me on
1: yeah, this has been a big one for me, and I really appreciate the time you took. Like I said, this is big for me. I'm, I'm collecting my uh, Comedy Store action figurines, and now I've got another one.
0: Yeah, well, I know this will get edited down to seven minutes, so.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, very little editing, because that takes work. So, yeah, and I'm still doing everything myself.
0: <laughs> Bless you Well,
1: thanks a lot, Jeff.
0: You're welcome, my friend.